You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Ikena Okeke of the Father's Church. Please join Pastor Ikena Okeke and be blessed. Praise the Lord. Amen. Okay, so this evening we want to continue from our meditation and our conversation on Sunday. And we um, were trying to remind ourselves of the need to give attention to our commitment to this faith, to this God, this one who thought us worth saving, this one who found us worthy. The Bible says God demonstrated or God commended his love towards us. That whilst we were yet sinners, his son Jesus was sent to come and die for us. And the thought then is this, what do I do? How do I respond to such information? What do I do with that? And we began to see that unless you and I are equally, I think that is the lesson of Sunday. That's why he said to the disciples, this is my body broken for you. It's not perfume for you. It's broken for you. You see, as you eat it, remember me. This is my blood shed for you for the remission of your sins. And the Bible talking about the church in Acts of the Apostles, the Apostle Paul speaking. He says the church which he purchased with his own blood. He didn't just write a check and get the church saved, but his blood was poured out. So that we, you and I, can be his own peculiar people today. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. So he did all of that. And what we are learning on Sunday was that there is a trick. There is, you know, I don't know whether the trick is a word. But there is a secret, an importance that we need to discover in order to benefit from that. Jesus said to us, you don't cast your pearls before swine. So if the Son of God had his body broken so that I can be saved, if he shed his blood so that I can be saved, can I be flippant about this salvation? Can I just skirt around it and imagine that I will benefit from it? It would not be so. I don't know if I've told you this story. But many years ago when I was in the university, and, um, you know, in our own time, it was handouts that was a big deal. So this particular lecturer insisted that you had to buy his handout. And buying his handout was you pay the money for the handout, he gives you the handout, and he takes your name and registration number and puts it in. So I went with this friend of mine who was very, you know, street smart. And I paid, and the man took my name and number and registered it. And then this, my friend, said to the lecturer that, Sir, I really would want to buy this handout now. But my mother traveled, and I can't get money to afford, you know, to pay for it now. So the lecturer asked him, I mean, we're teenagers then, so the lecturer asked him, Do you really want to buy? You know, do you really want to buy? And to my surprise, this, my friend, said no. (laughs) Uh, You can imagine. I I couldn't even imagine. All of a sudden, the man's low tone changed. He said, you will fail. I told you, you're not a serial. You will fail. Useless boy. Then I just realized that the man used old man sense to ask that question. You know? I don't know. I don't know how it happened. That the boy actually told the lecturer... He really didn't want to buy. Well, he was telling the truth because none of us really want to buy. (laughs) But I mean, that's a true story. And he failed the course. Now, what was it? The man was checking his commitment, even though his was fraudulent. Praise the Lord. But it's the same way. If you don't commit to anything, you are are playing tricks on yourself. The creator, he says, God is not mocked. That is as simple as that. God is not mocked. Whatsoever what a man sows, that also he shall reap. Now, in some cases, you reap before you're able to sow, isn't that? 
So if you reap and you're not able to sow, does it nullify the equation? No. Like we learned from Solomon, at the end, he said it's vanity. Because what he thought he caught, he realized he didn't catch. When David finished his life, he was happy and fulfilled. When Solomon finished, he was unfulfilled. Why? Because one man sowed to the spirit and the other man what? Sowed to the flesh, even though the spirit had blessed him. That's the lesson we're learning. We've been given so much that it is folly to imagine. He said, this is where I disagree with people who present the gospel and make you think, they said, the goodness of God, the blessings of God, the love of God, the power of God, we could never finish it. I, the song that says, if grace were an ocean, it says what? I'm sinking. You know, we are, all of us, we can't expire 0.001% of God's grace. But then that grace is not stupid. And that grace is not foolish. It is free to me, but it costs him something. And the one who gave that grace is watching you. So if you receive that grace with humility and sincerity, it will work for you. But if you keep the grace of God like an eraser and insult everybody and want to raise it tomorrow and start insulting everybody, grace will laugh at you because grace cannot be mocked. Praise the Lord, somebody. So we began to learn that on Sunday and that was what began to happen when Jesus said to the disciples, you know, do you also want to go away? You've known me for this long. So if you don't understand this bread thing, you know, my body being bread and my, you know, Lord being wine, are you going to turn away? And Peter said, to whom shall we go? We've known that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. You have the words of eternal life. They had come to understand. Remember, it was John that wrote, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. And without him was what? Nothing made that was made. So John knew that this man is the word of, this man is God. Now, if I don't understand some things about God, does it deny that he is God? Now, if I don't understand some things and I turn away, where am I turning to? Praise the Lord. Now, that is the root of what we're trying to learn. And like we saw in the account in Ruth, Ruth chapter 1. Okay, the root of what we're trying to learn and the account in Ruth chapter 1, 16 and 17. We see where Ruth made, a state, made her statement. And this is her statement. She said, in fact, this time I'll read from verse 15. Verse 15 was um, Naomi speaking. Naomi said, look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said to her, entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, what will happen? I will go. Wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. 17 goes on and says, where you die, what will happen? I will die. And there Will I be buried? He said, the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts you and me. This is the declaration from Ruth. We don't know how she got about this. The Bible didn't tell us her experience before. But when we read this, we see something there. Verse 15 said, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Could it be that Naomi and the husband and the children had told this Moabite about the God of heaven and earth? Had it been that they had told her how this God created the heavens, how this God spoke the world into being? And then she knew about their own gods. Their gods were gods of, you know, fertility, you know, gods that they needed to do some things for, for this God. They needed to move their gods. Sometimes they had to protect their gods. We don't know the details of what they said to her. But you can see from her statement that Ruth's commitment now to Naomi didn't make sense. Praise the Lord. It didn't make sense. Because if you have time, read the verses before. Naomi said to them, to both of them, Ruth and Opa, he said, even if there were sons in my womb, and I were to say, wait, if I had them, how long will it take for them to grow and to marry? And she was a widow, so there were no sons. So this young lady was following this old woman. She started the relationship as daughter-in-law, isn't it? 
Now, at this time, she was following her as what? Daughter-in-law, but there was no law, no love, nobody to love. And she said, I will yet follow you. The sense there is this. Commitment is not reasonable. Commitment is not analysis. I will just get over myself. You see, you see, the struggle, why we're learning this is that the struggle many Christians have in obeying God is not the act of obedience itself. It's the consequences of obedience. And what this does for you is that it frees you now from negotiating or analyzing or imagining the consequences. The Bible says Daniel purposed in his heart what not to defile himself with the king's delicacies. At that point, he did not know the consequences. So when the time came, what happened? Daniel said, I will not defile myself with the king's delicacies. The consequences, he did not think about it. The three friends, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they made it clearer for us. They said to the king, Oh, king, <laughs> you see, we will not bow to your gods. That's a decision we have made. We bow only to Jehovah. Just let it be known to you. Whatever you want to decide, we will not bow. And let's also let you know, our God is able, the way we know our God, he's able what? To deliver us from your hand. But just for your information, so that you don't tell us he will not. Even if he will not. The decision we've made what we have made. Praise the Lord. The decision we've made, we've made. That is commitment. Commit, you see, when the Christian, that's what I was trying to say. This thing is just pushing me somewhere. When the Christian understands it, the whole scripture begins to fall in place. It begins to fall in place. Like we talked about baptism on Sunday. When the Bible says, you see, surrender your life to Jesus. Or you, you give your life to Christ. Or you say the old man is dead. That is commitment. There's, you can't go back. You can't go back. And why it's important you and I get this in and we get committed is that God cannot walk with you until he sees you're committed. You see, our Lord Jesus was very clear. He said in the Revelation, writing to the church, he said, I wish you were cold or what? Or hot. You see, human beings, if I'm looking for some water, I wouldn't mind if I don't get cold one, which I prefer. I wouldn't mind what? Lukewarm. Lukewarm is close. Half bread is better than none. Lukewarm water is better than what? No water. But Jesus is saying, if you're not cold or hot, make up your mind. Why? Because unless you are whole, I can't deal with you. Now, this is, it may sound tough, but listen to me because you're going to see the beauty of it. The, the parable or the story we saw in Mark 4, Mark 4, 26, 29. It said the kingdom of heaven is like what? A man who goes and takes seed, 26 years. Who, if a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by night and rise by day, and the seed should sprout and grow, he himself what? does not know how. For the earth yields crop by itself, first the blade, then the head, after that the full grain in the head. Now what this is saying to us is this. The kingdom of God acts this way. When you commit, it is activated. As simple as that. When you commit, it is what? Activated. Now, how difficult is it for seed to be committed to the ground? How difficult? Is it very difficult? I think the most difficult to plant might be the yam. You know yam, you have to, you know, I planted yam, okay? I think that might be the most difficult. The other ones, you can actually just spread it. But the lesson there is this. Imagine the product of a seed and the process of sowing it. Are they comparable? What you get from sowing the seed and the effort of sowing the seed, the profit or the produce or the benefit much far outweighs what you sow. So why isn't everybody sowing? Simple. The farmer sows because he has come to see from the moment he has the seed in the ground, he can see harvest. Praise the Lord. The one who is not a farmer, every time, Irene, you're a farmer, every time you hold seed and you're not a farmer, you know what you see? You see food. 
The person who sees food will never commit. He will eat. And then when he eats, if starvation comes nine months later or two years later, he will say he did not have an option. But he always had an option. It was, would you eat or would you commit? Is someone getting me? The kingdom says, commit your life. You are now the seed we are talking about. I am now the seed. And heaven is saying, heaven has sown its own seed. For God so loved what? The world. For this reason was the son of God manifest. He has come and he has been sown. And he's now expecting his fruit. You and I to enter into what he has done. Have to do what? We have to release ourselves. Release ourselves. And like we said on Sunday, simple. When you release yourself, you're simply saying to life and to God, do with me as you wish. Do with me as you wish. The Bible says, now present your bodies what? As instruments of righteousness. Present a living sacrifice. The, same, the whole scripture is saying one thing when you get it. It's saying one thing. It's saying, start by doing this. Consider God. That's why Jesus said to them in that same John, John chapter 6 we looked at. He said to them, they, they said, what might we do that we might walk the works of God? He said, believe in him whom the Father has sent. You know why? That's where it ends. When you believe in him, you commit. And then when you commit, the rest is his part. Come with me. Let's look at a few scriptures that will help us. In Luke chapter 5 is a very popular passage in the Bible. Most times when, you know, we preachers preach it, we'll preach it for prosperity. And we'll say, suddenly you're going to turn on the other side and catch a multitude of fish. But we're not going to read the whole verses. It's from verse 1 to 11. But what nobody often emphasizes in that account is that verse 11 of that account says, when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. This account is where Peter and his friends and his partners had toiled all night, and they caught nothing. They caught nothing. And then Jesus came and borrowed his boat and said, you know, thrust out into the, the, the little, and then he used it and preached. After he had finished preaching, he said to Peter, Peter, now... You can go and catch a lot of fish. And Peter said, we have told all night and caught nothing. But he made a statement. He said, nevertheless, at thy word, we are going to launch out. And then he did launch out. And then he did catch a multitude of fish, which he had never experienced before. Such breakthrough of prosperity he had never experienced before. And the Bible said he signaled his partners to come and help him. And as they drew in the large catch of fish, he realized something. He said, this is not normal. This is unusual. There is something beyond fish and boat and water happening here. And then all of a sudden, he said to Jesus, depart from me, for I am what? A sinful man. Go from me. And this is the conversation that now went on. Jesus said to, to them in verse 10, he said, Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will do what? You will catch men. <laughs> From now on, you will catch men. Now, this man had not caught fish. All of a sudden, he has a lot of fish caught. And then Jesus says to him, don't worry. You're going to catch. I'm going to lift you higher to begin to even catch men. Now, if you're reasonable and you have, if you're rational, let me use the word rational. What will you do? You will take the fish you caught, isn't it? And deal with it. If anything, convert it to cash and then say to him, sir, what are you saying? We can talk now, isn't it? But they didn't do that. Immediately, verse 11 says, they look at the word. It says, when they brought their boats to land, they forsook all. They forsook all. And what? Followed him. What is happening here? These people were saying, we see in you. We see us with you a greater future than what we see you leaving us here doing. We are going to do what? Follow you. We are going to follow you. That is what it means when someone is saying, I am born again. He leaves all. These people would never complain that I left this. 
That's why when Jesus was saying to the rich young ruler, or saying to them after the rich young ruler, and, and made the statement, he says, how hard it is for he that has riches to enter the kingdom of God. Peter now said, ah, hey, no, 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 no. Explain to us, because what? We have left all of we, ha- we don't have anything we're going back to. And then the Lord gave the answer. Let me give you another illustration before we move on quickly. In 1 Kings 19, in 1 Kings 19, uh, verse 19 and 21, 1 Kings 19, 19 to 21, we see a, a similar thing happening there. Elijah had come to Elisha, you know, where the Bible says he was plowing. Okay, I'll read 19, 1 Kings 19, 19. It says, So he departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen before him, and he was with the twelve. Then Elijah passed by him and threw his mantle on him. And he, Elisha now, left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Please, let me kiss my father and my mother, and then I'll follow you. And he said to him, Go back again, for what have I done to you? 21. So Elisha turned back from him. And took a yoke of oxen and slaughtered them and bore their flesh using the oxen's equipment and gave it to the people and they ate. And then he arose and followed Elijah. The last statement there says, and became his servant. That's where I'm going. And became his servant. When you and I get born again, we become Jesus's. Praise the Lord. We become his own. When I become his own, you see, the prayer, some of the prayers we pray will even betray our little ignorance in this area. When I become his own, my interest becomes what? His interest. And his interest becomes what? My interest. My problems become what? His problem. And his problem becomes what? We become, that, that is what it is. Everything changes. Everything changes. And that is why you can begin to understand when the Bible says, seek ye first what? The kingdom of God and his right. Why? Because you belong to the kingdom and his righteousness. And then he says what? All these other things shall be added. And then because you belong to the kingdom, the kingdom will also take care of you. Are you getting what we're saying? So here, Elisha took that which he was working. Oxen then would today will be a caterpillar or whatever. And he broke it down, boiled the flesh, gave them to eat, and said bye-bye. And from that day, with no experience, with no imagination of what the future will be like, he became Elijah's servant. And the Bible said he poured water. He did what? His job became what? Pouring water from being a big man. Praise the Lord. That this, this is what will help anybody who is born again and comes into church and still feels like a big man in church. He needs to pray for the Lord to open his eyes. When you become a Christian, in Christ Jesus, the Bible says there is neither Greek nor Jew. No, you know, none of those things. We are all what? Servants of Jesus. If you understand what has happened. Anyway, when he became this servant, he started pouring water. And started following Elijah around about. Now... You know, because of time, I may not go into details. In 2 Kings chapter 2, the Bible said, now when he had come for the time to Elijah to be taken back, Elijah told Elisha, wait here. I'm going somewhere. <laughs> Elisha answered him. I'll read that verse. Elisha said to Elijah, or rather Elijah said to Elijah, stay here please. I'm reading 2 Kings 2 verse 2. Stay here please. For the Lord has sent me unto Bethel. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives, and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. He continued this four times. Everybody was saying to him, Elisha, leave Elijah. God has, you know, asked him to go. Elisha said, I'm not what? Leaving him. Why? He had nowhere to go. He had nowhere to go. And part of why I believe God brought this for us was the wedding. Just that the time was too short. We couldn't come to this. If you're going to get married or if you're in a marriage now, I beg you, take the oxen of where you're coming from. Kill it. Take the wood. Build a a bonfire. Boil it. Eat it. So that if you go back there, there'll be nothing for you. Do you understand what I'm saying? 
If you leave a door where you're going to go back to, you will go back. The Bible says of the fathers of faith, it said they did not think of where they were coming back. For if they had had that place in mind, they would have returned. Too many Christians, in fact, not even less in marriage, even financially. You, sometimes you say this Christianity is restraining me. Because you see, I know how I would have done this business. And made, as long as you have that thing in mind, you're double-minded. And the Bible says such a person is what? Unstable. You must decide if I'm going to prosper, I'll prosper the kingdom way. If it's not kingdom way, I don't want it. If you're regretting the world's ways, the enemy knows. And you keep dangling it in front of you. You keep swinging like this, like a rocking chair. Activity but no progress. That will not be your portion in Jesus' name. You decide where you want to be. Elijah had made the decision. They said to him, come, come, come. Elijah told him he didn't hear. The fellow students, he, he wasn't a student of the school of prophets. But the students of the school of prophets told him. Everybody told him he didn't hear. Do you know what they had at the end for him? They had a double portion of the anointing upon Elijah. He would have missed it if he turned back. That marriage, I've seen marriages where the lady or the man had every reason to call it quit. But when they persevere, what they get at the end of the day is a double portion. Why? Because God is what? Faithful. Listen, it's very simple. If your marriage has been sweet from day one, it's beautiful. You're loving your wife, your wife is loving you. Hallelujah. That's the way we want it to be. Praise the Lord. But in a situation where it's not that way, and for five years or for five months or for ten years, they are sowing to you pepper and bitter leaf. You understand what I'm saying? That woman is sowing to you pepper and bitter leaf. And you keep enduring it. And you're sowing back patience and endurance. Long-suffering, thank you. Now, in ten years of your marriage... Have you sown the same thing that the man that the wife was loving and submitting sown? You haven't sown the same thing. You have sown more. So if as the earth, we say while the earth remains, what happens? Seed time and have it. In the 11th year, when the turnaround comes, you think the beauty of the other marriage will compare with you that have sown long suffering and endurance and eating pepper for 10 years. No, that's why you will see some. You wonder what is going on here. Somebody is reaping. I pray you will endure to your reaping. In the name of Jesus. It's the same thing. I mean, aside from corruption, many of us here, when we left school, if they told you join civil service, you say, not my portion. God forbid, isn't it? But you enter into business. You enter into the bank. You grow quickly. You become, you know, uh, maybe ED or whatever in the bank. Your classmates that entered uh, civil service, they're just going there from level 12. Where did they start from? Level 1. Eight, they're just going there. Years are passing. You see them. They're just, you know, wearing their Ankara and all of that. After some time, they've made them pump sec. And you now come with your one billion naira contract. They're the pump sec. They have become the power. They have become authority. All of a sudden, you see that there are years of endurance. They have become powerful. Uh, you see, that is the way life world is. They committed now. I'm not saying every don't, 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 don't go into civil service because of that. But what I'm trying to say is this. Many people, you know, praise God. I say we shouldn't look back, right? Because sometimes I just imagine the type of money. You see, the preacher also preaches to himself. If I had continued in the banking, people who were junior to me are idiots. Do you understand what I'm saying? You, you just persevere. You just commit. If it is your calling, remain there. If it's not your calling, jump out. Praise God. But what I'm trying to say is this. You commit to something, it releases its blessing to you. Many of us as Christians are testers. You want to test it. I don't even want to talk about church membership. A lot of Christians today cannot amount to anything. Because they are fair weather believers. You're attending a church, then they preach a sermon or something happens that you don't like. What are you talking about? Do you know Jesus said to the Father, if this cup can pass from me, if we have an alternative, let's what? Let's take it. Did the Father give him an alternative? No, 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 no. He said, this is the way. He continued. He continued. Praise the Lord. So you know that this is where you ought to be. You know this is where God has planted you. 
But the pastor didn't call me on my birthday. Or this and this didn't happen. I don't like the way he spoke to me. Why should you shout at me? Who are you that they shouldn't shout at you? They spat on Jesus. They slapped, even if they slapped you, I will not slap anybody by the grace of God. Praise the Lord. And I will not spit on anybody. And to the best of my ability, but even if they kicked you, is that what you're going to stand at the day that asking you, why didn't you fulfill destiny? And you say the usher did not honor me. Or they gossiped about you. Who are you? Who, are you that important that they gossip about? When you're committed, you don't have sense again. To the blunder that they're committing in this country. How can somebody be happy with the security situation in Nigeria? When if a governor, a sitting governor, is saying that the president should know that there is compromise in the military. And then governors are saying they're happy. It's because they're committed to whatever they're involved in. They have sworn to an oath. We've heard swearing of oath. These people have, they have gone far. They, and, and now I don't begrudge them. Because the evil people know how to do their evil without regrets. I was telling my wife the other day, do you know that there is a campaign now to make pedophiles or pedophilia or whatever? Pedophilia. To accept it, so they want to add it to LGBTQ. So it won't be LGBTQ, it will now be LGBTQP. They want to, yes, I, I saw it. I, you know, I don't watch a lot of those people. But when I read it, I said, let me hear them. You see very nice looking responsible ladies. And they say, if this is the feelings these people have, why should they be denied of these feelings? And I was looking at them and I was glad the comments. Some people were just saying, Jesus, come now. Jesus, come now. But you see, these are the things that are written. Evil people are not ashamed. How many of us know about the Jerry Epstein's case in the U.S.? You know about it. These are people that you look at in the world and you think that's something. They're all into pedophilia. That's what they do. Because, you see, evil will graduate. If you started with fornication and you become a president, how can you be fornicated? Ordinary fornication will be too small. Either they push you into bestiality or pedophilia. You have to graduate. Now, when I see that, I challenge myself. How am I also progressing in good? You're a child of light. Praise the Lord. I, I cannot remain a Christian. After 20 years, I'm afraid of praying. I'm afraid of, I'm afraid of dying for Christ. Leah Sharibu would, remains the witness to her generation. How old was she? 15 or 16. And she said, I will not renounce Christianity. She knows what it will cost her. All she knows is that this is not negotiable. Praise the Lord. She's committed. She's committed. Commitment is it. When you commit, you send a signal to the Holy Ghost. You can walk with me. You can walk with me. Praise the Lord. And the beautiful side of this thing, very important, beautiful side of this thing. Lest anybody walks away here and think, this is one of the best things I think I'm finding from the scripture. It's the way it's put here. It's the universality of Christian success. Okay, we, we don't talk success here, but the universality of Christian that's succeeding or fulfilling purpose as a Christian is this, Isaiah 35 verse 8. The Bible says there shall be a highway there. It shall be called the highway of holiness. And if you please can do for me the Living Bible or Message Translation. It shall be called the highway of holiness. New King James will say, even though if we say John Clean will not pass there, if you have it, please, you can start reading. It says, even though a fool will not go astray. And as I read this, what the Spirit of God was ministering to me is that when a Christian, no matter how intelligent, we refer to that, you see your calling, brethren, not many wise, according to the flesh, not many might. No matter how ungifted, no matter how untalented. Are you there? Yes, sir. Okay, read for me, please. As I said, message. Yes, please. There will be a highway called the Holy Road. It will be called the Holy Road, yes. No one rude or rebellious is permitted on this no, road. No one rude or rebellious is permitted, yes. It's for God's people exclusively. Yes, for God's people exclusively. Impossible to get lost on this road. In, Not even fools can get lost on it. Impossible word to get lost on this road. Not even fools. Means you don't need to be smart. Like we said earlier. Obedience is difficult because you're thinking the consequences. What I'm saying, when a man is committed, let, let me tell you what commitment is, is a bit like. It's like when you're in a town you don't know, okay? 
and you make the wrong detour, you turn off on the wrong road, it's one way. As long as you're on that road, except it's in Nigeria, you know, people reverse on our highway here. <laughs> Do you understand? You have made the wrong turn. What is happening? You remain on that turn. If the next place for you turn is, you know, 500 meters, you're, that's where you're going to do your turn. That's what commitment is. Commitment is, I've found myself here. Or I've made a choice here. I cannot change it. I am a Christian. You see, do you know if we had 5% of so-called believers in Nigeria committed to Christianity, Nigeria won't be the same. We won't be, we won't be where we are. Committed. In the military, committed. In the police, committed. In civil service, committed. In uh, whatever service, in every area, committed. They, they just say, I'm a Christian. I read that when the Roman rule was, you know, the Roman um, kingdom was operating. It said that when a man wanted to do business with a Roman, that all the guarantee he needed to give was, I'm a Roman. That's, I'm a Roman means, if we agree, just know it's going to be done. I'm a Roman. Now, before, before, many years before now, in Nigeria, if you say someone is SU, it carried a bit of weight. But now, if somebody says he's born a Christian, his research, you bring magnifying glass, start looking. Because pe- people are playing with what we're talking about here. We don't understand. They said this is the assurance. If you're on this road, you commit your life to God. You're a young lady. They say this is how Christians should behave. We, they don't date. They don't do this. Do, do you know, Lord have mercy. It's good we're online. I saw somebody who is supposed to be a Christian. Who quotes scriptures on Facebook. And he was telling unmarried people. He said, don't mind this thing that's talking about um, uh, uh, abstinence. That everybody's doing it. You know. That's why I can't stop it because such things you have to, I travel in prayer, say, Lord, open eyes. He, and and the, the worst part was that in referring, he says imams and pastors. So, but this person is a, I mean, if you accost him now, he's born again. He splashes scriptures here and there. You might even be your friend on Facebook. I think he went to Federal. You see, I, I read it. I said, it's bad enough you don't believe it, but to publicize it. If you don't have respect for yourself, have respect for the Jesus who you're serving. Do you understand? So, but the young lady, the young man, the young business person, your friends are laughing at you. You're not sharp. People are telling you, you don't know how to do this. We will show you the way. You just tell them, I'm a Christian. I'm committed to this thing. I told you when I got born again, somebody said to me, you will be poor. I mean, it was not for consideration. He said, this thing you're doing, you're going to be poor. I didn't consider whether I'll be poor. It didn't disturb me because I had committed. Do you understand? I'd committed my life to Christ. It didn't matter what came out. But the thing we know is that this. Let, let, let me show you the scripture. Hebrews 6. I need that help again now. Hebrews script 9, 12. It says we are confident of better things for you. Things that accompany salvation. Nobody as sure as the harvest is always greater than the seed. There is nothing you commit to God's hands. That you will look back and regret. It's not possible. Such thing has never existed. Ruth left Moab. was her end? How many of us know Opa? Who knows what happened with Opa? Did she even get a boyfriend not to talk of a husband? Do you understand? And the route that went. You see the beauty. I just love the word of God. The route that went. You know, you know the sweetness of it. Is that they didn't tell us Ruth was attractive. They didn't tell us anything. What has success, the key to her success, which is what this universality of, you know, the Christian, uh, this, was she was committed. The whole anointing of heaven said, this woman's testimony has to be complete. There is a way you align yourself with God. Heaven will find testimony for you. That's what it is. That's the way it works. That's the way it works. You know? Another thing, you know, that I saw a, um, um, a pastor from Pastor Mazino, let me just mention, was referring, he said he was listening to a preacher who was preaching very well, powerfully. 95% of what he said was true. But he added something, 5% that he said. And many of us may have heard it. And I said, he said, he told the story of a lady 
who was under pressure from the bus. To, the, the family needed money. You know, maybe the child was sick or something. So the family needed money desperately. And this child was about to die. And the boss was saying, the only condition I can do this, I don't know the details, but anybody who knows will, will know what I'm saying. The boss was saying, the only way I can help is that I sleep with you. And this Christian lady, when she and her husband agreed, well, if that is the only way, go and sleep with the man. And the pastor endorsed it. Do you understand? Now, now the, the, the problem with this is lack of commitment. Now, now are there people whose children, there are people, their children die if, when they have all the money. So it's death of your child to be measured against unknown to the one who died for you. There's, you see, that, that's why I say the whole thing is connected because this thing I'm saying now will sound crude if there were no resurrection. If there were no resurrection, you say by what she did, she saved the child. Isn't it? But how do you save a child? That child is healed by your sleeping with your boss. In future, if the devil occupies that child full time, room and parlor, how will you pray? I saved your life by compromise. Do you understand? I mean, you see, the lesson, please, for you and I is this. Commitment is a shortcut. Because you know that scripture that says, no temptation has befallen you. But such as is what? Come unto man. The other day I was looking at it. Things were falling. It said number one is that the temptation that is coming your way is common. What is common is common. Two, it says, and God, or but God, will not allow you in particular to be tempted what? Beyond what you can be. So it means God has tailor-made, measured you to see if you can handle this particular word, temptation. And he now goes on and says that with every temptation, what does he do? He makes a way of escape. God will watch your commitment and will see he can handle this. And then we'll permit it. And God's way of escape is actually not a way of escaping just the trial that came. It's a way of entrance into glory. Nobody has been tempted in the Bible who followed God's way and remained at the same level. It's not possible. It's not possible. Every temptation successfully followed through is always bringing to glory. It's a pattern. You see, when the Bible says everything, you know, some preachers will say this way. You say, we only preach Jesus. Jesus is the pattern. Jesus is the person. Jesus is the principle. Jesus is the power. He's everything. The whole thing follows him. Cross, glory. Cross, resurrection. Avoid the cross, nothing. But without commitment, you can't go to the cross. Because, I mean, they are going to shake, things will shake you. Do you understand? Things will shake you. If you're living in Nigeria, you know that it's not easy. Things will come and shake you. you when you think of the consequences. I, I, am, I going to, am I going to remain in this office like this? You know, see all my mates. See this, this what they've had. Or rather, uh, is this how I'm going to do my... Uh, is it wrong? What is wrong with pastor having convoy? Do you understand? What is wrong with honor? What is wrong with, you know, people? All kinds of things are going to go your way. What will help you is that I have made up my mind. I'm not thinking it again. I'm no longer careful. So as we try to round up, the other good side of this commitment is that we've mentioned it, okay, the scripture. David, why, why, why did David kill a lion? Why? How come he was able to kill a lion? Did he set out to kill a lion? No. Did he set out to kill a bear? No. It was commitment that helped him. You see, for, for some of us, the prosperity, the, the, uh, the largeness we're going to assume in material things is going to be commitment helping us. Instead of falling, it will take us high. David was put in charge of his fathership. And a shepherd then, just like, you know, even though these ones are, you know, demon field. A shepherd then will not joke with any sheep committed to his care. They will fight anything. So when the lion came and took one of the, uh, of the father's lamb, David did not consider 
going home to tell the father stories. He said, let me go and recover this thing. Why? Because it has been put in my care. I'm committed to shepherd my father's flock. It was in pursuit of that commitment that the anointing to kill a lion came. If he were not committed, he would never have killed a lion. So when he was telling the story, if you read that, you know, in First Samuel, he began to say to King Saul, he says, commitment to what the father gave me, to what my father gave me, made me kill lion and bear. Commitment to the honor of Jehovah will make this uncircumcised Philistine world to be like one of them. So you might be in an office and there are people that are deriding and, you know, defying and behaving in manners that challenge your God. That is a reason to go and bow your knees and ask for an anointing that has never been seen. Where if you decree a thing, it's like that woman, that woman on CNN. The woman is operating under some anointing. Do you understand? Yes, because you can see now that what she's answering is not just normal again. The first one she just said, you, you can carry an anointing. Why? Because you are on a path. God comes and backs you up. Do you understand what I'm saying? You don't turn back. I've sold myself. I'm on this journey and I'm not turning back. So, so for, for us, I, I want us to pray. Let's rise on our feet. Hebrews 6 now. We'll, we'll pray from Hebrews 6. We've already referred to that. We, we are going to pray for grace. We're going to pray. Hebrews 6, that from 9 to 12. It says, from 11, it begins to say that we do not become sluggish. Okay, I'll read the full scripture and then we'll pray. It says, but beloved, we are confident of better things concerning you. Yes, things that are coming salvation, though we speak in this manner. For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown toward his name. In that you have ministered to the saints, and what? And do minister. I'm not turning back. The truth is this. Every, every, everybody has something more in his future in God than behind him. Every one of us. And commitment is what will make you press beyond the obstacles of today and enter it. It continues. It says, and we desire, verse 11, that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope. Until when? Until the end. Somebody will say, God, Naomi said, God has not dealt well with me. Is that what she said at the end? At the end, her story was different. It doesn't matter where you are. Somebody might be looking at me and say, Pastor, you can say that God has blessed you and all of that. Your end shall be better than your present. You continue with God, you will also look back and be a testimony. Verse 12, which is where I'm going. It says that I will not, you're going to pray, I will not become sluggish. I will not become sluggish. But I will imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. Message posted this way, but be like those who stay the course with committed faith and then get everything promised to them. I want you to receive the grace to stay the course as a Christian. I've started this journey. I'm not going back. I will stay the course. I will stay the course so that I can receive with the saints gone by that which is promised to me. Lord, help me. I'm a pastor. I'm a mother, I'm a wife, I'm a child, I'm a student. Wherever I am, Lord, help me to commit, to press on on this journey. In the name of Jesus Christ. The last one I want us to pray, Romans 8.11. Please, I'd like you to find your Bibles and open to it, please. Romans 8.11, we're going to take that and pray now. I wish we had a little bit more time, but I trust the Spirit of God will help us. The, the Romans 8.11 says simply, say, but if the Spirit of Him... Who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He says, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. We said on Sunday that commitment is like I've died. I'm not thinking for myself again. I'm not thinking consequences. The Bible here is referring, it says the spirit who did what Jesus raised Jesus from the dead. Now remember Jesus said to us, he said no man was takes my life i lay it down now the holy spirit is god omnipotent omniscient omnipresent but let me tell you one of the things the holy spirit loves to do he's a quickener he's a razor if there are situations that are about 
demanding you lay down. Lay down, being confident that the Holy Spirit will quicken you. Are you getting what I'm saying? Just be sure that this spirit, the same spirit that raised Jesus from, it doesn't matter what they will say. This is the demand or the price you have to pay as a son of God, as a daughter of God, as a child of God. It doesn't matter. Be sure that the Holy Spirit will quicken, will raise you, will turn that situation around, will bring a testimony, will bring a newness, will bring joy, will bring refreshing. That is what the word of God is saying to you and I today. The Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the dead and the same Holy Spirit is here now to raise situations, to turn around situations, to turn around circumstances, to bring testimonies out of test, to bring triumph out of trial, to change things around. For as many as I say, Lord, I give myself away so that you can use me. I give myself away. I surrender. Yes, I may not have an answer. People will ask, what is the reason for the hope you have? Tell them it's Jesus. He's coming. He's coming. Behold, my deliverer comes. Behold, the one who justifies me comes. Behold, my provider comes. Behold, my sanctification comes. Behold, my wisdom you shall yet know. Jesus said, wisdom is known by her fruit. I may seem foolish now, but behold, he's coming. Father, we have heard your voice. Lord, you said not many wise, not many noble, not many mighty. But you have chosen the foolish things. Lord, tonight, individually, as families, and as your church, we surrender to you. We surrender to you. That you may use us. As the earth has its way upon the seed. Spirit of the living God, have your way in us. Surround us. Take charge of us. So that you can bring forth out of us. That which you desire. Your master at raising the dead. We receive grace to lay our lives down. In confidence that the God we serve is the resurrection and he is the life. Jesus, you are worthy of our trust. Thank you. Thank you for better things. Thank you for great testimonies. Thank you for marvelous experiences. As your children yield and you manifest. Thank you for glory all over. We give you praise. To you alone be glory. By the saints. By your church. Now and forevermore. Amen. Praise the Lord. You've been listening to a message by Pastor Ike Naokeke of the Father's Church. We are sure you've been blessed. We invite you to worship with us at Eden Center, Barnex Guarimpa Expressway, near Next Kashinkari, Abuja. For telephone 09-290-9000 or 0703-158804. You can find us online at www www.thefatherschurchonline.org God bless you.